0: Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast brought to you by Central Michigan University, the Center for Charter Schools, a leader in educational choice and quality. My name is Orlando Castellan, and I'm joined here by my colleague, Megan Brown. Welcome, Megan.
1: Hello, Orlando. Glad to be here today. Looking forward to our interview.
0: Uh, As am I. And while we are getting ready for that interview, I'm reminded that we're still without our friend and colleague, Janelle Brzezinski who is completing her maternity leave and we're wishing her health and prosperity in the new year as she navigates the pandemic with a newborn. But today we're going to be having a conversation with Dr. Shauna Patterson-Stevens, who is the chief diversity officer for Central Michigan University. Dr. Patterson-Stevens started in her new role on June 1st. Um, in the middle of the pandemic. And so we're really looking forward to having a conversation with her about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, Dr. Patterson-Stevens has had educational stops at Central Michigan University, Michigan State University, um, finalizing her uh, doctorate at Florida State University. She's also had work stops in the state of Pennsylvania, Florida, Michigan Illinois and Massachusetts. So we are really excited to have her and her expertise that she brings with her on our uh, upcoming discussion. Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders. So we are joined by Dr. Patterson-Stevens, who joined Central Michigan University as a Chief Diversity Officer on June 1st, in the middle of the pandemic. Welcome, Dr. Shauna Patterson-Stevens. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. As a former student at CMU, I wonder if you could share with our listeners what brought you, what led you back to the university?
2: Well, it's a dual kind of attraction, first and foremost. Um, Anyone that knows me well knows that I have a very soft space in my heart for the state of Michigan. Um, I'm from Detroit, so Detroit specifically and especially, but the whole state. Um, and I really felt compelled in this moment actually to come home. Uh, I, I felt like a visitor after a while coming home and 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 seeing what was happening in the community. And I felt like it was really my responsibility to. Uh, Find different ways to tie myself back into the spaces that poured so much into me as I was growing up. Central Michigan, in that effort, then, right? Uh, Central is the space where I first started to get an understanding of who I was as a person, um, gave me the vocabulary uh, that I needed to really think through like some of the things I saw happening in the world, uh, provided me with the foundation uh, educationally, but also. Personally, with regard to my development. So, um, I, I saw a, a great opportunity to be able to give back to my undergraduate experience, but also to my surrounding communities. And so, you know, after a lot of thought and prayer, I went ahead and, and leaped out on faith and came home.
1: So, in that coming home, what are some things that you see now as the need on campus that you are able to provide in your role?
2: I think that. Um, Something that I've always been really skilled at doing is building community. Uh, it takes some time, but usually wherever I've gone, I've been able to create pockets of home. And so I think that's a skill set that will work really well for me here at Central in terms of trying to find connectivity between you know, people's lived experiences, their curricular experiences and opportunities here on campus, and trying to find ways to mend um, diversity, equity, inclusion a little bit more deeply into uh, our curriculum, into, you know, our policies, our praxis, and into the lived experiences of faculty, staff and students. I don't want to leave out our community partners in that conversation as well. So. I think you know, for a very relationship-driven institution, being able to build community in those ways is integral to helping folks feel connected to diversity, equity, and inclusion. One thing that I found already, you know, I've been here again since June, uh, is that there is a great need, but also a great interest in expanding our efforts around diversity, equity, inclusion and social justice. Uh, I think sometimes people just don't know where to start. I think also there's a lot of great things happening on campus and maybe it just needs a little bit more continuity. And so something else I could provide is is helping to link those um, threads more more thoughtfully, more carefully so that folks understand what's already happening on campus and we can expand from there. Uh, Finally, you know, I think one thing that Central provided me with is the opportunity to really dig into who I am as a critical thinker, and I've only expanded since then. And so being able to engage this work from a critical lens, but also from a lens that's really grounded in research and scholarship will help to promote some more um, thoughtful uh, bridging between, you know, what it is we're trying to do as an institution. So those are some of my... Uh, I think, skills that I bring to the table and, of course, my love and passion for the institution. You know, I, I care deeply for this space and I want to see us win and do well. So, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to worry with me uh, if I have an ulterior motive. I really want to see us succeed. So um,
0: that's what I bring to the table. Well, we're excited to have you back on campus. And I think I heard you mention community a couple times and how important that is to you. Uh, community involvement and service are vital to student development as well. And as undergrads work with individuals from different backgrounds, it provides that opportunity for them to understand each other better. Having been on campus, I think at the same time you were um, in, in a previous life, can you share uh, an experience from a service project uh, that you may have engaged with and how that helps shape your views um, and where you are today?
2: Yeah, I actually had a really interesting conversation with Matt Lee, she's a professor here on campus, um, about my experiences with Dr. Jorge Brea, and it wasn't a service project, but it ended up being one. I studied abroad in the Dominican Republic, and I went with Dr. Brea, and it was pivotal. It actually changed my life. in a variety of different ways. First, I thought about the the idea of, you know, the white savior approach to service uh, and community uh, integration. And I think that one thing that I was able to do in the Dominican was get a better understanding of how cultural context does shape an experience. And sometimes in those experiences, you know, it, it leaves a community needing more resources, or being in a situation where um, they could pro- they they could utilize or or could benefit from um, different opportunities that maybe were relinquished for a variety of different reasons, maybe politically, maybe economically. And um, I was able to engage increased Lore. Uh, which it was um, a church, but also a community space in Santo Domingo. And I mean, it was, it was earth shaking for me because first of all, I was a student, I was there to study abroad and folks that uh, were there were just like, come, come back and uh, meet with our children and get involved in some of the program offerings we have. I was only there for three weeks and I was there almost every day when we were in the city, you know? And so in that moment, you know, Dr. Brea allowed for me uh, to really engage with the the folks in that space in a way that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to holding a book. Um, But it also taught me that, you know, sometimes you just come into a community that you're not necessarily uh, fully familiar with and you listen and you find out what folks uh, are expecting of you uh, and you find out if they have any expectations of you at all. And then, you know, wherever they're asking for you to pitch it, you, you'd be willing to do that. And, and that really set the tone for how I see myself when it comes to service. Like I, I don't, I believe in, in entering into a space like a bull in a china shop. I actually sit and I listen. I try to get uh, fully grounded in the space, uh, connected to the people, make sure that I have a full understanding of what the heck is going on around me. And then I engage. And so um, I really think that's at the tone, like I said, for, for how I see service work. And uh, it started at Central, you know, so I really thank Dr. Brea for allowing me to have that opportunity when, you know, I could have been on the beach ignoring everything around me and, and that's not what he wanted for me.
1: When you think about the programs that the university is developing now for undergraduate students, what do you see as the aim and the focus for this next generation?
2: I think that there's opportunity to attend to some really hard questions that we've been mulling over for decades and sometimes centuries at this point uh, from a very uh, critical, angle, um, I think that students have access to more information than ever before, right? And I feel like some of the ways that we're attending to the curricular needs of our students is starting to meld more into where they are now as, as individuals and, and using that lens uh, in a futuristic way rather than you know doing the same thing we've always done since the dawn of Central Michigan's existence. Existence, and so what I mean by that is really understanding that the students that we're supporting are very different uh, than they've ever than they ever have been before, with regards to their understanding of uh, identity. They have a better uh, grasp of nuance with with relation to context and culture. Um, they know what's going on in the world in ways that I'm going to say I feel like I did not know (laughs) when I was an undergraduate student. And so I see the tide turning with regard to our thoughtfulness around how we're therefore creating learning opportunities that match or surpass where they're at currently. Because of course, what we want to see is development and growth. And so we have to not just meet them where they're at, but we need to be 20, 30 years into the future as to making sure we can support the students and and instead of them sitting there in the classroom waiting for us to catch up. And so I think we're trying to add more, I would say we're leaning more into innovation in ways that um, is exciting um, and innovation in a way that's really helping students see themselves from a cosmopolitan standpoint and not just thinking locally. Um, I think having a better understanding of what it means to be a responsible global citizen is really important. And going back to what I was saying about my ideas on service, you know, um, understanding that we all have something to contribute as human beings. We all have value. We all have experiences that uh, the world needs, Um, but doing it from an angle that really focuses and centers the importance of humanity and the world itself and caring for the world and folks within it, and less around you know conquering and making a, a difference so that you feel good about your accomplishments. So you know creating uh, citizens that really believe in what it means to, to engage from a humanistic standpoint is really important uh, given where we are as a society and specifically in general in general, but um, I think you know where, where our students are going and their understanding of what it means to live in this world, you know, I, I find that really invigorating for what's
0: to come. So Shauna, you talked about um, the service and the opportunities you've had at the university. And as we record this, I'm reminded that you know, we are not that far from Martin Luther King uh, Day. And so I wonder what your thoughts are on the idea that we often hear uh, that MLK should be a day on rather than a day off as community members focusing on service. Uh, and acknowledging the uh, continued fight for diversity, equity, inclusion. I wonder if you could share some of your thoughts on that topic. They
2: might be controversial, but I'm willing to share them. Uh, I do agree that um, we should be mindful of making sure that we're attuned to the social justice issues in our communities. I would hate for folks to feel like it should be relegated to one day. And sometimes I feel like that's, kind of what direction we might be taking when we um, focus so much on a day on, not a day off. I know that that uh, mantra came from the idea of making sure that we're recognizing uh, the achievements of the black community, recognizing the achievements of everybody that supported MLK during the civil rights movement. Um, I also feel like, you know, for those that are doing that work on a daily basis, it's okay to rest. And, you know, I'm a follower of the nap ministry Uh, for those that don't look her up on uh, Instagram. Um, I do think that sometimes we get ground into the dirt because we're so focused on making sure that we're making change. And and I don't know if sometimes we think about rest when we're talking about social justice issues in a way that's um, healthy. And I I feel like sometimes that day of rest could be or make all the difference for someone that is really attuned to making sure that they're creating change in their communities. Um, And maybe MLK for once might be the day that that person gets that rest because it's a federally recognized holiday. So I go back and forth. I do think that those that are trying to get engaged and don't know where to start and maybe haven't been involved or as active in those movements could utilize MLK Day as an entry point, you know, and I don't want folks to hear me say, you know, we should abolish MLK Day or not do anything at all. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I think for those that are actually really uh, putting a lot of effort into that 365, um, maybe it's okay to rest on MLK Day, you know, maybe it's good to take a nap and maybe hug on your little loved ones and, and you know, just maybe walk your kiddos to school for once because every other time you're relying on the bus to get your kids to school. Um, I, I'm right in the middle there uh, because sometimes people are tired. And I think if COVID didn't demonstrate that, I don't know what else we could have learned from the pandemic. You know, like I, I don't think that we always need to be working so hard, so hard to break our necks for things I think sometimes we need to really think, think carefully about how we treat ourselves.
1: So I've heard you mention a couple of times, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you've added social justice into that. Sometimes DEI can just be lumped in together um, and people don't understand the nuances of the individual words and their definitions. So can you just unpack those for our audience? Because they may not be aware of the differences between diversity, equity, inclusion, and now social justice.
2: I, I speak in, um, what are those called? when um, you tell stories, it's not a parable. <laughs> what is it called? Um, euphemism? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I have a little story that I like to tell when I think about diversity, equity, and inclusion and in, in trying to define it for folks. You know, I think about a party, you know, and I think about a big room and, for me diversity is making sure that somebody a little bit of somebody is in that room uh, joining the party having a good time um, but you know when everybody's in that room uh, do folks feel comfortable in the party you know sometimes maybe the air conditioning could be turned up 10 notches maybe someone's in there anemic and needs it a little hot <laughs> um, so uh, in- inclusion for me is making sure that you know to the best of our ability most folks feel comfortable at the party too and have what they need at the party. Um, equity is is making sure that, you know, for those folks at the party that maybe want to dance uh, or look good, that they're, you know, wearing nice shoes that that meet the occasion. And uh, you know, equality is make sure everybody has shoes, but equity is making sure the shoes fit. And so, you know, I might have a size nine foot, but person next to me might have a size 11 foot. We both want nice shoes, but we, we need to make sure it works. And it's not gonna help me if I have a, a shoe that's size 11, if my feet are size nine. So um, equity is making sure that uh, for the circumstances that, are, 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 that people are meeting, that the, the resources, that the, the context really matches where they're at in their lived experience. And so um, for me, you know, Diversity can be a nice, I like a good party. <laughs> and I think diversity could be that thing that brings folks together uh, across difference um, and, and inclusion, again, is making sure that uh, folks feel comfortable once they've been invited into that space and equity is making sure we're matching, uh, matching across the board what it means.
1: I think the party analogy will go over very well with our students in the K twelve space because that is something that they can definitely relate to. So switching gears uh, a little from you know post secondary and your work with the university to um, you know talking to our audience that are in that K twelve space because we do serve student population across the state um, in our fifty eight schools. So can you discuss the importance of raising awareness and the tools and resources? that schools will need when they are having the conversations about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, similarly to how I was speaking about college students, I think our K through 12 students, again, they have great access to information. They're way more knowledgeable about world experiences, about their communities than I think Many of their predecessors have been before them because of, you know, the advances in technology. You know, and I know they're brilliant. Uh, so I think first and foremost, it's really important to bring these issues to the fore because we have um, institutions of of learning that have been in operation for quite some time that may be moving too slow to meet the needs of our current student populations. I think that, um, you know, we have a strong responsibility to ensuring that we're uh, really cultivating opportunities for students across difference, across um, um, learning uh, needs that uh, really should be thoughtful and careful about um, our approach. And I think that, you know, thinking about how sometimes institutions move a bit too slow, I feel like sometimes we, we can fall into the trap of doing things because that's just the way we've been doing them for a variety of years. And I know that we have some very passionate teachers out there and very passionate administrators that want to see us uh, support and, and grow our youth in a way that um, they see themselves uh, as individuals. So I think there's a need to to match some of that need around um, supporting the individuals who are coming up through those systems and supporting the individuals who are providing the guidance, the education, um, the community to those individuals. And and I, I feel like it's happening um, at a grassroots level, but I would love to see it happen at a, a systematic level, specifically and across different uh, uh, institutions in Michigan. Um, I'd like to see more continuity even between um, K-12 through 12 schools and the higher education system within the state of Michigan. I can't speak nationally. I think that would be a big major haul, but I feel like you know, if we were really truly engaged around um, loving on our, our, our individuals, um, loving on our students, um, I think that we would be aiming towards an educational system that really thinks about the diverse needs of our students, uh, their, their learning styles, um, how they come to the table and, and recognizing that there's different ways of knowing and that's okay, you know, and there's different ways of learning and that's valid and, and finding uh, diverse approaches to ensuring that students feel like they can be successful. Um, I think that's why it's important to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in those spaces.
0: Um, so you talked a little bit about uh, the institutions being slow to turn, kind of like the di- Titanic, and you mentioned perhaps some strategies for the adults um, around those students and in the institutions. But what tips might you have for parents to continue to be positive DEI conversations, or to continue to have positive DEI conversations in the home?
2: You know, I think the parents are the m- second to the students. They're they're very <laughs> important in that relationship around. Um, Making sure that the students are successful, um, I think you know it's it's important, especially now. Um, I know we're seeing certain things on the in the news around the school board meetings, um, and I, I don't want to be dissuaded as someone who goes to those school board meetings myself. I I would hope that parents aren't feeling dissuaded by um, some of the antics that are happening in those spaces, because I think at the end of the day, um, again the school boards, the superintendents, administrators, faculty are wanting to see something happen in a positive way that is uh, growth oriented, that reflects the communities. And I think it it takes the parents' uh, continued feedback and presence in the schools to provide another outlet for um, laying that foundation. Um, I think having the continued um, experiences of the parents Being shared at those meetings, uh, being shared at the the conferences, um, you know, and and their support at, you know, the arts, uh, the art museum um, programs that show up at the schools or the athletic events. Um, I I think showing our students that we do care as parents is also really integral to ensuring that um, teachers feel like, you know, the work that they're doing matters and so I do think there's some kind of reciprocity there that should continue to occur um, and you know when parents are bringing um, the issues to the fore, that the administrators and the teachers are actually using that feedback in a way that um, is making some change and headway at their institution. I, I think you know finding different ways uh, for a te- I think teachers and administrators could find different ways to ensure that they're showing parents that they're using the feedback that they're receiving as well. And I think that's something that parents should feel like they can ask for. So, you know, remaining in tune to your students' needs, remaining in tune to the institution. Um, I think you'll see some incremental change there that, that hopefully is encouraging. And I am saying that as a parent, you know, with kiddos in public schools. So mm-hmm. that's my approach.
1: So, at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about growing up in Detroit. You talked about your experience at CMU. And uh, we know, based on just your experience as a student going through graduate school and your doctoral program, you've had many teachers and professors in your life. Can you tell us about an educator that made a lasting impression on your life?
2: Paula Wardell. Um, Hopefully, you know, I will make sure she hears this one. Um, She was, uh, she's my godmother. She was a teacher for a number of years at Henry Ford High School in Detroit, Michigan. And um, I still carry her today. She carries me, (laughs) actually, um, and supports me. And she has grown into someone I would consider my second mother. Um, She was my algebra teacher too in high school. And um, I come from a military background, so you know most of my family's military, and um, we rarely went to college. And I ended; I was at a school where I was being recruited heavily for officer service um, in, in the military. And uh, not to denigrate anything about the military at all, or folks that choose to go in that direction, um, Paula just saw something in me. That um, she felt was necessary to reflect in that moment because I was considering going into the Navy um, upon graduating from high school. She stepped in and said, What are you doing? And I said, Oh, I'm just gonna, I'll just be an officer. It's fine. Um, They think I'm smart. And, and I know I'm smart, so I'll, I'll do pretty well in the Navy. She said, girl, <laughs> you know, like, yes, the Navy's great, but, you know, have you considered college at all? Like, she was the one that was really um, grabbing me by my shoulders and saying, you know, show me your applications. Where are you applying this week? Um, let me review your cover letter. Let me review your statement of interest. Um, Let me talk to you about some scholarship opportunities. Did you look at the NAACP, the Coleman A. Young Foundation? Um, She was the one that was having those conversations with me on a constant basis to make sure that I stayed the course. And um, I I know for a fact, you know, maybe I would have showed up in in college one day at at some other point in my life, but I know for a fact that I, I went to an undergraduate institution upon completion of my my high school education because of Paula Wardell, who was my algebra teacher. So I, I love her dearly. She, was, she walked me down the aisle at my wedding. Like that's how involved she is in my life. And I don't know where I'd be without her.
0: Well, that's awesome. And we appreciate you sharing that story. As we wrap up with Dr. Shauna Patterson-Stevens, the chief diversity officer from Central Michigan University. Thank you for your time today, Shauna.
2: Yep. Thank you. And uh, uh, thank you for having me.